And now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines and simple keywords with Adam joining us via Zoom. Good morning, Adam. Well, good morning, Lena. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, indeed. Let's jump into the deep end of this pool. Uh, there was a UN Security Council meeting that took place on Monday. Let's start our conversation there. This is our first keyword of the day. Divided Council. So, yes, the UN Security Council has met to discuss North Korea's latest provocations, but again failed to adopt a formal statement. Uh, two member states, n- uh, namely, have a vetoing power, and that's sort of been a reoccurring theme. What's the latest? It certainly has been a reoccurring theme, and it was no different this time round. Uh, members slammed North Korea's intercontinental ballistic missile launch uh, that was conducted on Friday, but they did stop short again of issuing a formal statement due to opposition from, yes, you guessed it, China and Russia. Uh, The US, Britain, France and India were among 14 nations uh, to strongly condemn Friday's launch. So not all of the members of the UNSC. The US called for a UNSC presidential statement instead to hold North Korea accountable over its missile tests. Now, a presidential statement is kind of one step below a resolution, uh, but it still does require... Uh, consensus of all members. Um, U.S. Ambassador uh, to the U.N. Linda Thomas-Greenfield noted that Pyongyang has flagrantly violated UNSC resolutions and attempted to undermine the global non-proliferation regime. She uh, she said it was vital the council respond with one voice and reiterated U.S. charges that China and Russia were emboldening Pyongyang by blocking council action. Uh, China's U.N. Ambassador Uh, said China was concerned by the upward spiral of rising tension and intensifying confrontation Mm. on the Korean Peninsula, but said the council should help ease tensions and not always condemn or pressure Pyongyang. Mm. He said Washington should take the initiative and put forward realistic proposals to respond to North Korea's legitimate concerns, in his words. Russia's deputy UN ambassador accused Washington of trying to force North Korea into unilateral disarmament through sanctions and force, um, and blamed the missile tests on military drills by the U.S. and its allies. Uh, South Korea's ambassador said the military exercises could never be an excuse for Pyongyang's illicit nuclear and ballistic missile development. He said the regime is taking advantage of the UNSC's inaction and divisions. Um, A spokesperson for the U.S. mission to the U.N. said a draft president's statement would be shared with the council soon uh, and negotiations would follow. So it's basically a difference in stance uh, among the UNSC members in why North Korea is conducting these provocations. Mm. Uh, China and Russia, of course, are blaming the West uh, for North Korea's provocations and Mm. the West blaming China and Russia for um, the provocations because it's not doing enough, it's saying. Mm. It feels like it's at a standstill and it's a similar rhetoric, but it's still worth taking a closer look at. Uh, we'll have an expert analysis with Professor Pung Yong in our second hour. Thanks for getting all the facts straight. Uh, Adam, let's move on to our second keyword of the day. Audacious plan. So the promise of economic relief for the promise of denuclearization, South Korea's unification ministry has released a booklet detailing the UN administration's so-called audacious plan, again designed to help North Korea improve its economy in exchange for something big. Uh, Tell us the details. Right. Well, the ministry sought to refute doubts about the initiative, which some analysts have criticized as unrealistic because it fails to address North Korea's uh, stated security concerns 
and the government is trying to address those concerns. Now, the booklet states that the lack of specifics about the military and political aspects of the denuclearization plan stems from the fact that South Korea would need to discuss such details with stakeholders like the U.S. It also defended the need to respect past inter-Korean agreements after several conservative lawmakers argued that Seoul should scrap a Moon Jae-in-era military deal and other agreements. Um, notably, the document outlines a three-stage roadmap for achieving denuclearization through Yoon's audacious initiative. The first stage is to provide initial economic aid and reach what it's calling a comprehensive agreement that defines denuclearization and the corresponding measures that each side will take to achieve it. The second stage, termed practical denuclearization, involves providing more economic assistance, working to improve US-North Korea relations and building trust between the two Korea's militaries. The final stage, named complete denuclearization, entails full-fledged economic cooperation such as investment and trade for co-prosperity, um, the normalization of U.S.-North Korea relations again, signing a peace treaty and also starting arms control. So it's kind of going up in stages. Um, the booklet provides, though, few details about how it would realize these stages or mm -hmm. convince Pyongyang to change its tune on a denuclearization plan that it has already rejected. Mm. Um, Kim Tae-hyo, though, the first deputy chief of the Presidential National uh, Security Office, also said the government will continue to deter North Korea threats and dissuade the North from its nuclear development until the country engages um, in dialogue. So the door is still open for dialogue uh, in terms of um, nuclear talks, uh, but uh, the government is still trying to get uh, North Korea back to the table through these kind of deals mm. and plans, audacious plans, uh, mm. as it's being called. Uh, but still, that hardline rhetoric is still underlying. All right. With that, we move on to our third keyword of the day. Food spending. So recent data shows uh, Korea's bottom 20% income bracket spent nearly half of their disposable income on food in the third quarter of this year. It's subject to get worse, uh, their purchasing power, as energy prices are subject for rate hikes in the coming months. What's the latest? Right, not just energy prices, but just prices in general? of everything pretty much uh, in <laughs> general are going up. So yes, uh, certainly a burden for especially those in the bottom income brackets. Uh, but if we look at the data, Statistics Korea data shows that the monthly average amount spent on food and dining by the bottom 20% uh, came to nearly 429,001. That's nearly 48% of their disposable income, so practically about half. Uh, disposable income, of course, refers to the money remaining after households have paid taxes, uh, utility bills or insurance premiums, which could be used for consumption or savings. In mm -hmm. contrast, the top 20% income bracket spent about 16% uh, on food. But if you look at the amount that's spent on food, it's pretty much the same uh, in terms of monetary value. Um, the nation's high inflation is weakening uh, the purchasing power of households in the low income bracket, of course. Consumer prices in the third quarter, for example, have risen nearly 6%, with food prices surging some 8%. Uh, the figure for the low-income households also showed a wide gap with average households. So it's not just a disparity between 
the bottom and the top 20%, right. but also the bottom 20% and basically your average uh, middle class. Um, now, the cost of dining out has also risen to the highest level um, in 30 years. Uh, these grim figures for the low-income bracket look set to continue, though, as high inflation is expected to be prolonged. Uh, the contracting Korean economy is also changing the consumption patterns of young people who are steering away from, say, leisure and hobbies. Mm. Um, analysts believe this will in turn continue to have negative effects mm. on the local economy, of course, as spending shrinks. So it's just a vicious cycle mm. and repercussions and ripple effects. Uh, it's just continuous gloomy news in our economy section. But that is the reality that we're facing and really not subject to change until next year, maybe in the latter half, something that is also subject to change. Any good right, news so I mean, for us this morning, Adam? Well, uh, in terms of the economy, nothing much, uh, I'm afraid. But uh, these are kind of uh, issues that are out of the local Korean government's reach. There's a sure. lot of geopolitical uh, issues and factors in play. So those need to be resolved first if mm. there's going to be any light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. But that tunnel is still long mm. for the time being. So look at as perhaps the macroeconomic situation in order to look for what comes next for the Korean economy. We'll leave it there for now so we can move on to our fourth keyword of the day. Ito on probe. So the main opposition Democratic Party and two minor parties has submitted a blueprint for a parliamentary investigation into the Ito on crowd crash. What does it entail exactly? Right, there's been a lot of uh, cross party uh, bickery over the Ito on crowd crush, uh, especially in terms of finding the truth and investigations uh, surrounding it. Now, the three parties that you mentioned, including the Justice Party and the Basic Income Party, uh, plan to approve the investigation plan at a plenary National Assembly session on Thursday to kick off a 60-day probe into the tragedy. Uh, the plan calls for determining the cause of the incident and whether necessary measures were taken by relevant government institutions, such as uh, first responders and the police. Uh, an 18-member special committee consisting of nine DP lawmakers, one each from the Justice and the Basic Income Party, and seven from the ruling People Power Party will oversee the investigation from November 24th to January 22nd. Mm. Uh, whether the PPP will agree to joining the committee remains to be seen, though. Mm. Um, the opposition parties have accused the government of bungling the response, despite prior warnings that safety accidents could happen mm. at the time of the tragedy. It was Halloween celebrations, and Itoan does tend to get crowded uh, around that time of year. Um, the party said in the document that officials responsible directly or indirectly for the tragedy are continuing with false excuses, ridiculous slurs and responsibility evasion, while investigative authorities are also reducing the scope of their probe. They also blamed President Yoon for siding with those held accountable, making it difficult to properly investigate the truth. So they're basically mm. saying that the investigation currently underway mm. is kind of skewed and biased and not doing its job. Now, the ruling PPP has strongly opposed a parliamentary probe, saying it could hamper ongoing investigations. Uh, the party reaffirmed its stance in a general meeting of its lawmakers yesterday. Uh, the floor leader, Chu Young, said a parliamentary probe can always be launched when it's needed. 
but he added that it should be conducted when the ongoing probe is deemed insufficient or lacking, uh, not at a time when probes are going on and many agenda items, including budget plans, are pending in Parliament. But he also hinted at the possibility the PPP um, could agree to a parliamentary probe uh, after dealing with the budget. So mm. it seems like the PPP are kind of leaning towards this parliamentary probe, but they want other pending issues such as the budget to be dealt with first. And meanwhile, from the other opposing parties, there is growing pressure to get that done sooner than later, it seems. All right. And with that, we move on to our final keyword of the day. Vaccination. So our COVID-19 coverage for the day, the country has kicked off a special vaccination period to help encourage more jabs against COVID-19. It seems that the latest booster shots is not very popular with the elderly. Tell us the details. Not very popular uh, indeed. Uh, The government is pushing for high-risk groups such as the elderly to get their boosters. Uh, The special vaccination period that you mentioned of, it kicked off yesterday, in fact, and it will run Uh, until December 18th, so basically for four weeks. Uh, During the period, hospitals will be getting rid of uh, a daily rotational system for vaccine recipients, basically this this system where uh, people uh, were eligible for their shots depending on the last number of their date of birth. Uh, Mm -hmm. That was in order to kind of help stop an influx of uh, reservations, but uh, there is a lack of reservations at the moment, so it seems like that system is kind of mute at the moment. Mm. Um, Now, recipients will also be allowed sick leave when getting their jabs, so people who are concerned about uh, working uh, or their jobs uh, in terms of getting uh, paid sick leave or just sick leave in general, Mm. uh, those concerns are kind of trying to be alleviated. Uh, Reservations itself will also be scrapped as well, so those eligible can just walk in uh, and get the shot if they want to. Um, Now, the government aims to have about 50% of the elderly and 60% of other high-risk groups, so those working in high-risk venues, for example, to get their shots. Mm. Uh, This comes amid a small amount of people getting bivalent vaccines despite a resurgence in COVID infections and fears uh, of a winter wave. Korea has been importing uh, a slew of bivalent vaccines, but they're just not coming off the shelves at the moment. Mm. There's only about a 17% vaccination rate among vulnerable groups. That's as of yesterday. Mm. So, of course, the government is trying uh, to do its best to try and get these vaccines that are just sitting there mm. in the arms of those that need it most. All right. So let that be a friendly reminder for those in the vulnerable groups, the high risk groups to get their shots in this special vaccination period. Thank you so much, Aaron, for today's coverage. We'll see you again tomorrow. You're very welcome. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.